Hey guys, this is the Esports Leads, is the first podcast about esports marketing and advertising. My name is Nick Arjantsev. You can see my dear friend Nick Sisko here. Um, Hi guys. Hey man. We both represent the the Moon Esports is an innovation agency for esports industry and the esports ads it's the largest data database of esports advertising we just redesigned its website so check it out it's pretty cool and today today we're going to talk about the difference between traditional advertising and esports advertising then we're also going to talk about milestones and achievement that the esports industry can bring you and uh, can bring to your brand uh, we have an amazing guest today, James Stedman from Level 99 London. He's a creative director there and he's already working for with different brands specifically uh, in esports. And yeah, please welcome James Stedman. Yeah. So James, like tell me how did you end up at Level 99? Why did you decide to join the team and what was you know your main struggle or even no struggle like main you know concern about joining the specifically esports creative agency so i was um i had been freelancing for something like three and a half years um around different agencies and it was fun and all but at the beginning of this year i sort of thought right it's it's time now i've done freelancing i'm kind of going into places and just doing my thing um, I'm not getting the original reason for going freelance was to expand my knowledge of how different agencies work, how different people within the industry are, and all that kind of stuff. But it had got to the point where I'd found my own working style and I was just kind of doing that. And it was fun, but I felt like I wasn't making any more progress, as it were. And I felt mm -hmm. like I needed to find a permanent job in order to make that next step. I've been doing it for three and a half years and also not knowing if you're going to have work the next week was getting on my nerves. Um, so it was by chance on LinkedIn on like this. <laughs> I saw someone post. Um, are, you, are you a creative director or want to be a creative director? More importantly, do you love esports? So I get in touch and I was like, damn, okay. Um, I'll try. I don't know. I it's worth it's worth shooting shooting my shot at least, um, seeing seeing where it goes. I think when I applied, it was the weirdest application I've ever done. It was a it was a LinkedIn message, and I literally said, "Here's my portfolio. I've worked on these clients, but you're probably not interested in that stuff too much." Um, and then proceeded to divulge all my ranks on all the different um, competitive games. Um, um, I, I, I peaked Plat in Rainbow Six Siege. I'm a Thatcher, <laughs> um, Mute Main. Um, I'm hard stuck bronze in League of Legends. Uh, I got to Diamond in Overwatch and all of this kind of stuff. And I have a full sleeve Monkey Island tattoo. <laughs> uh, uh, so. It's, it was an interesting thing, and then from there I got, I got, I sent the message about 45 minutes later, I got a message from, um, Saad had seen my um, message and had asked if I was available to come in that day. Uh, so I know nothing, it's just like, yeah, can I, 
let, let's meet this guy. And I went in, ended up stay, sitting down and chatting for three hours, something like that. That's a lot. It, and seems, then, it seems that you could call it a new normal these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quick, 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 quick. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, did, I sort of like, we were trying to arrange a second meeting. But it kept on falling back and back, and I thought, nah, this this ain't this ain't happening. Um, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, I think it was even February, late late February, I um, spoke to the rest of the guys, and then a couple of weeks later, they were like, yeah, can you start on the second of March? And that's kind of what <laughs> happened. It was it was like really bizarre. In the meantime, they brought me to the C the London CDL event. Um, I hung out with some of the people there. Yeah, it was a really weird interview experience. Really, really uh, weird. Cool. I think I think it's similar to the startup approach. So less corporate, more like, hey, let's go with the flow and see what will happen. Yeah, it didn't feel like they were testing my um, qualifications for the job, and more who I was as a person and if I'd be okay to work with. I mean. You already have two main things. You are a good creative, and you are involved in esports. You watch esports. So this, prof these two things, probably the main, you know, connection to yeah. get a job at level ninety-nine. Um, yeah, it's great. But with your background working on, you know, freelance and also in-house uh, traditional advertising, and now level ninety-nine, do you feel any difference working, you know, at the esports creative agency? like specific things that you like yeah this is totally a different experience or it's basically almost the same it's a tough one because it it is and it isn't um there are sometimes sort of moments where i'll be like hey guys this is the way we do we did things in advertising and it would be like oh damn that works really well and there'll be other times where I'm like hey guys this is the way we do things in advertising and they'll be like yeah but in esports we do it this it's sort of like more, <laughs> more angled th this way we don't we don't sort of I think it was pitch decks I was like do we need to put any concepts up front and that kind of stuff when we're pitching and it's like no we're, put, we're putting together a sort of like scope of work and what we'd what we'd look to what we'd look to do on the on the sales side, and then you sort of get into the pitching once you've got a more solid thing. I don't think there's the same um, pitch for us and give us all your ideas before we've even paid you anything um, mm -hmm. mentality that I was used to in advertising. I'm used to like giving away all my best ideas for a pitch that you don't even know that you're going to win um, for nothing. So, yeah. For yeah. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there there are some things that are sort of like are, are different. Um, but on the whole, it's being creative, and even though I'm sort of working with people who grew up in esports, Andrea and Matea both working at Fnatic. They're, they're the um, lead art director and chief creative officer um, at Level 99. Um, when I hear them talk, or I see a mood board, or um, we talk around ideation, or even around process and stuff. Um, fundamentally, it's it's the same thing. It's being creative, mm -hmm. and yeah, it doesn't Actually, feel alien. 
Actually, there's some interesting questions. We were talking with one gaming uh, client of ours like a week ago or something, and he was asking us what really esports agencies are doing at the market. Because he used to work for, the, let's say, a digital agency, and he's into gaming market, and he was asking, is there any specific knowledge or skills or processes? Like, how should any anyone uh, define what esports agency is doing and what it's not doing and not covering within their services? It's a, it's a, it's an interesting one because yeah, I think anyone can sort of set up shop and say they're an esports creative agency, but I think that. Um, what you need to look for is is to a certain extent a certain level of um, people who who have cut their teeth within the sector space um, and understand it. The, the 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 selling point for agencies in esports is they need to understand this very desirable and lucrative market. It's young people that do have disposable income that want to spend it and um, want to feel more connected to something that they really 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 love um, so it's a it's really desirable but it's a really hard nut to crack um, because mm-hmm. the second you do something that doesn't feel genuine you, you might as well have said well that's 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 kind of wasted because they're just going to completely dismiss it outright any brand that's attached to that thing they're probably going to dismiss so unless it has a genuine benefit to that person or gets the space that they love so perfectly that it feels like a piece of an extension of that universe whether it's League of Legends or uh-huh. uh, um, Fortnite or whatever else um, yeah and I think that's where esports agencies probably have the nod on traditional agencies is it's a it's this focused cluster of people who have actively said I dig esports I play these games um, I watch the content I have decided to put my career into this stuff uh, I consume the content and all of that stuff and I'm surrounded by other people who are the same I think that's what you get from um, an agency like that. I don't think that esports. Um, I don't know. I don't know if esports agencies is going to be the thing. I think there's a far, there's a much larger casual market out there. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? Sabi so telling me, eighty percent of Overwatch fans are casual players, and twenty percent are that hardcore competitive side. So there's a huge chunk of people that. Um, we can speak to and, and a lot of that content mm-hmm. that you see on YouTube is designed aimed towards that casual market you know the Mimi compilation videos and things like that mm-hmm. yo, so I think that mm-hmm. mm. yo James you just see yeah, a sad interesting thing about that specifically esports creative agency maybe won't you know be a huge thing or maybe they won't be many of them because I think you're right when especially brands are looking for you know creative help they are not thinking that we are need to solve this problem or you know to announce this product in the esports. They come with a you know just a task like we need to announce a product. You should find out the 
you know, the best audience and the best place. It's not like specifically esports briefs that we have uh, yeah. nowadays. And yeah. that makes sense. But like the interesting point about esports audience that people don't know who actually, you know, are watching esports. These people older, they older they are not from they're not sixteen, they're not living in your you know, in their mom's basements and their parents' basements. They they are twenty eight years old in the US average, average, you know, esports uh, consumer I'll say twenty years old and with income more than fifty grand a year, which is huge and that makes them one of the most desirable audience for different brands like even talking you know to some non-endemic brands they like wow we are we were trying to reach these people uh like you know for for years uh, doing mm. different stuff and it's really hard but they already there in esports that's why they you know started to consider esports as a direction for their creative ideas so my question about uh esports audience is do you use them do you like or is it a selling point for your clients the specification of the esports audience and what do you think like is it it's getting older it's getting kind of richer it's uh, very diverse but do you think is there any like interesting moments about the esports audience right now that agency can use let's see um i mean yes we we do talk about being able to tap into that um, that specific market that's very hard to reach to. What we, what we tend to sell to the clients is we we solve problems for you and give you tangible mm. results to back up us solving those problems. And um, yeah. It does. It does. It's it's about making stuff that people feel works. Making stuff that people feel we we want the clients to go away feeling like, damn, I really loved working with these guys. I love the piece of work that's come out at the end. We we create really nice stuff, um, and we create stuff that's very targeted to whatever that solution is so some sometimes sometimes it's about understanding that esports audience sometimes it's about understanding the um wider audience i think yeah we're sort of shifting towards more of a video games thing mm -hmm. rather than esports specific thing it doesn't necessarily have to be a competitive um genre but yeah at the same time when we go to clients, we usually come backed up by data, whether it's stuff we've grabbed off Brandwatch, whether it's uh, mm -hmm. past experiences from working with NYXL, NYSL, um, you know, uh, working on Rainbow Six branding and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think in this day and age, as much as it pains me as a creative to say, um, there's that much thrown around um, phrase data is king and mm -hmm. um, we do we do use it to like yeah get get our ideas across get give context and fact and turn s turn subjective more 
let, turn subjective less subjective in terms of what we're proposing. Um, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, for example, I heard the stories uh, around the DreamHack, uh, the recent ones, that there were brands, brands that uh, integrated uh, some advertising within their activities, and then when they uh, measured the, let's say, community feedback or fans' feedback, they realized that lots of the mentions of the brands were like within the root context, hate speech, etc., etc. Um, how you, yeah, 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 and Twitch is banning all the streamers, etc. How, how should brands navigate the specific side of this esports or gaming community when it's easy, it's really easy to get them angry with your boring logo or boring advertising or not specific uh, organic esports advertising like you know like we are making the 30, uh, 160 campaigns and we will just uh, play uh, use the esports as the media placement for our big t tv spot and that's it how you're explaining the esports uh, audience sensibility within your campaigns so lots of the brands would really be attracted by the audience and would it be distracted by the results? <laughs> um, I think I think when we when we talk to brands we we that they sort of like we're not rude about it or anything we sort of have this concept of like respecting the audience that you, you want to interact with it's not it's not so much about you can't just it's, it's not a case of you I want to be in esports now, so my advertising's <laughs> in esports. There we go, bam, done. Um, no, you need to. You, it, it is a community, and it's it's a community that's built up from from only a few people, and then like, yeah, it's it's all it's all about respecting that community, understanding that community, and uh -huh. looking for where you can enhance that community and oh uh -huh. it just so happens that you're you're a brand and this is the product that you sell that kind of thing um yeah i think it's i think it's about finding your way in there without it looking like a cash grab or looking like you haven't put any effort into understanding the audience it's like a it's like a hyper version of other advertising um, in other advertising, people know when you're not being genuine or you don't know yep, yep. what you're talking about. Um, if a bunch of guys come up with a product, I don't know, um, shampoo or something, and, it, and it's super, <laughs> patron, super patronizing, that ad gets ripped to shreds on social media. Um, this, people are just much more quick and care more. Um, because you are, you could be perceived as invading this space. Actually, that's why I love the Bumble campaign with the Genji team when they sponsored the female team and connected uh, the young uh, girls' empowerment within especially competitive gaming and within such uh, times when <laughs> they are just let's say a few female gamers and the community is really smaller comparing to the male side uh, and I think that there should be more and more uh, bold campaigns that 
really helps to uh, show the other side when there could be a bold campaign with an esports. And I think the OG is really a, uh, the good case uh, around the community and the passionate leaders that drive the esports. OG formed in 2015, and I think it was one of Level 99's first real sort of projects that Level 99 formed in 2015. Um, essentially, Saad, Dre, and Matea, Dre, Andrea and Matea are actually brothers, um, all met at Fnatic. Um, Andrea is, was a former Fnatic Pro Dota 2 player. Um, mm -hmm. And he and he got into the um, journalism news side of Fnatic. Um, Matea um, created design art side of Fnatic, and Saad was working on the um, business development um, side of Fnatic. Um, but yeah, in 2015, um, they got together with um, Notel and the others, and um, yeah, wanted to make a new a new um dota 2 brand that was i think i believe the goal was to create something that was forged by the dota 2 community that's where it kind of started and obviously og have expanded into other games um but for it to be something real that that came from the community wasn't this kind of like business-owned investment mm -hmm. investor kind of held org um, but more more something made by members of the community for the community for the sake of competitive gaming and yeah we their logo work um, I believe Dre's favorite color is green so the original OG logo that might have been influenced um, the green on it um, might have had to <laughs> Dre before Red Bull um, joined up with them and um, yeah yeah we kind of helped them forge that identity and start that kind of like voice and early attitude they've got um, as you saw on the site there were these rubber wristbands that had lots of different potential names for OG because they never they didn't they never wanted to announce what OG actually stood for um, yeah. so there's like old gits um, yeah I know the whole story about it they you know no no tales they every interview that he has they ask him the same question what does it mean OG and just for people who don't know you know about OG this is probably the biggest Dota 2 team right now. They won two internationals in a row. They destroyed every team there. And No Tail, I think, is the richest uh, pro player in the world right now. Because, yeah, for the last international, then, you know, the, the first place was like 15 millions for five people, which makes them, you know, like <laughs> huge, I'll say. And, yeah, but er the, the whole thing happened before they won. Uh, international and yeah. it's I'm wondering like uh, maybe you know when they were working on OG how close did they work with Snowtail and team or it was more like we will bring you our you know our vision of OG and we will discuss after oh no I think it was very collaborative 
I think there's there's still there's still a lot of love between um, the guys who worked on OG and the um, and OG as a team um, and no tail and that so I, do, I I think this was like a team effort very collaborative and that's what I like about this a lot of the stuff that I've worked on so far there is this huge collaborative effort between client and us as an agency I think that's really important like in any creative scenario the less you make it us versus them whether that's creative and account management within the agency internally mm -hmm. or um, agency and client the less you can do that us versus them kind of thing and actually work together the the more fun you can have um, the more interesting the ideas can be and when it's client and agency the more chance you have to get something weirder or cooler out the door because the client is being taken on that process they're being taken on that journey and they feel like it, they're part of it yeah uh, uh, let's imagine let's imagine i'm a brand manager of red bull for example and i'm approaching i have an organization that i'm sponsoring and i have an agency like level 99 how should i really split the let's say impact on the future advertising or marketing activities between the players how should i approach from the client side and help the best creative process uh, to be really best and not an average and not to damage everything how you could describe let's say the best possible balance between each side of the, the not the market but let's say from ideation to the production side so what i what I'd suggest is ask questions like if there's something that's being suggested that you're not sure on um, that you're like why are we why are we doing this why what's what's the reason behind this being included um, ask a question um, if you if you have the time to sort of like allow the agency to take you on an eSports e journey and um, explain the rationale behind things. If, if the eSports agency isn't explaining the rationale behind things, they're not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. First off, um, I think as a as a as a video game agency, as any agency, you should be mm -hmm. explaining the reason behind the things and giving the um, required level of history and explanation. So, if you're dealing with someone who does not have any interest in eSports prior to this. Mm -hmm branding exercise it falls it falls on the client to understand the territory some somewhat I guess get get a base or at least to at least be open to mm -hmm. understanding it but the agency should be like taking them on that journey into esports I think part of the reason you would get a um, video game based agency involved in this stuff is mm -hmm. so that they can hold your hand as you enter into the dark thorny world of esports um, but as a brand manager ask questions um, mm -hmm. show, show an interest um, ask for stuff that you can look at outside of it if you want to learn more or mm -hmm. um, if not straight up just go can you do me a deck that gives me the rundown of who we're, who we're talking about what their history is mm -hmm. and all of that stuff because yeah 
I think having a baseline knowledge and knowing where the agency is coming from with creative ideas gives you uh-huh. the best possibility to judge the creative work that's coming to you. And there's a tricky and there's a tricky question here. Uh, you've seen the Gucci uh, versus Fnatic collaboration recently with the watch, and then you compare it with the, let's say, Game Fuel collaboration with the Face Clan, more in-depth, product-based collaboration, performance-based, when you could measure all the uh, campaigns uh, in CRM, etc. Uh, when the brand should approach the esports organization with the help of an agency and what uh, types of let's say the assets they should invest in from the communication side you could envision like fmcg brand uh, to simplify mm. the things should they invest in the jersey or put the logo and then go away or uh, the best possible scenario within the esports organizations is to really dive deep into their community to build the really long-term relations with the fans etc yeah i think you look at you look at the way in which um i think the best case study you can look at is red bull when it comes to fmcg specifically within esports They've managed to become a part of a team in the same way that they, they've done in um, F1, to be honest. They're just really uh-huh. smart with their um, sponsorship-based stuff, and they, they do multiple levels. They, they have like the professional side, but then they do the grassroots side. There's a Red Bull uh-huh. eSports gaming arena in London that holds events for people who want to come down and play League of Legends with people and each day there's a different game that they run events with and people do fostering a community in that way um, I think for brands just starting out getting a sponsorship on a team could be cool looking for ways in which you can enhance that sponsorship probably uh-huh. a good idea these, these people are not just professional game players, professional esports athletes. Uh-huh. A lot of them are also influencers um, and within their spheres and people do pay attention to what they're sort of saying and they spend a lot of their downtime, well not downtime, a lot of their other time streaming on Twitch and there's making videos for YouTube and all that stuff that you would do with other types of influencers. So, you know, there's lots of areas to tap into. Um, um, so yeah, I just I'd I'd look for as look for as many different ways that you can enter into the scene in an authentic kind of way. It's um yeah. So this is uh, something that you created like few months ago. Mm-hmm. Is it like a usual thing to work on these small content pieces like this? With specifically with this uh, you know, with this client and tell me how how do you work with client? What's the difference between like you know usual social for deep brands uh, in the advertising world and esports uh, social media? So with um, NYXL NYSL and Andbox, who are the um, parent org of those two teams. Um, 
we do a variety of different um, creative outputs um, depending on what they need um, in any given month. Um, there's social, there's, there's, there's lots of social work, there's various graphics, there's um, bigger, more um, high level, high effort pieces that we do. Um, but you know, one of the things that we did was launch NYXL and, and NYSL through social um, sure that we fostered communities that would be engaged with the team would enjoy the brand um, and feel like we had an identity and a place a place that they could come to where they felt like they were with the team on um, social so yeah, I was very lucky when I joined in March and sort of have been working on the social side of things in NYXL because the community, the Overwatch community is pretty special. Like, they really, they really, really love Overwatch. Like, really, really love Overwatch. And they like to see, they're not, they're not like cynical about Overwatch things. They like to see people playing with their their world as long as it's again as long as you understand their world the second you put out something that maybe you don't get quite right um maybe you've you've got the way in which an alt works slightly wrong you get called out in a second um but as long as you're doing things that are fun you you you, you get engagement with the overwatch community as long as you're kind of like expanding exploring the law or exploring what makes a particular hero great or completely frustrating to play against um, and if, if the other thing about the overwatch community especially with NYXL it's, it feels like is there's this certain like fandomness I don't know they worship the players a little bit more <laughs> than I've seen in other people who are like you know, you do a you do a throwback Thursday to Hotba when he was a kid, and everyone's like, "OMG, that's Hotba, so cute." That's my main. That's that's my off tank boy Hotba, and things like that. It's it's, yeah, the people really love the players, and I don't think you get that in um, CDL as much. You get people that go, "Yeah, Zuma's a goat." Um, <laughs> <laughs> Zuma's cool. Zoom, Zoom is a goat or whatever. Mac, Mac is frying. Um, so and so is washed out. It's it's a lot. It's a lot more. I don't know. Casual. And maybe that's maybe that's COD versus Overwatch. COD is more casual, and attracts a sort of that kind of audience. Whereas Overwatch, you know, there's this intricate law. There's a lot. There's a lot to get your teeth sunk into. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, am, actually, am I right that? Uh, when brands are approaching you, uh, the specific uh, skill or specific services that uh, the esports agency or Level 99 could really help clients to solve is to really pick the discipline. Like kind of like, okay, hey Coca-Cola, the let's say Counter Strike is not for you. Uh, let's pick Dota. Or if you're like, uh, I don't know, a new uh, mobile phone and you're targeting more like. I don't know the masculine side. The CDL is for you. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that there is 
there's definitely that side of things you don't want to be advertising I don't know you wouldn't want to advertise things that uh, CD, uh, COD COD bro would like in Dota I don't think I think there are some brands that are larger than specific niches and things like that but yeah I think having that kind of awareness of where you're taking your um, brand to and esports agencies giving that recommendation about which games you should be um, looking at um, dealing with I mean you see it with Overwatch Game, Game Fuel is not sponsoring Overwatch because Game Fuel does not mm -hmm. feel like a Overwatch brand really Mm -hmm. And I think I agree with it. Um, it feels a lot more like a COD brand, that kind of maximize your performance, get the <laughs> most out of your game, kind of stuff. It it does it does have more of a CDL thing, and I don't and I don't know whether you know even Dota or League would really benefit from Game Fuel. I, I imagine one day we'll see we'll see that come in, but you know Game Fuel so far they're like. They they've got a bit they've got a bit of that stuff going on. Yeah, they're they're definitely targeting people like the mysteriously disappearing Doctor Disrespect and those kind of like amped up <laughs> side of things. I think that's yeah. a that's a definite strategic decision. Their brand is amped up, so target the things in esports that are amped up. But how creative? But, but how creativity could really shape the metrics because you're a creative director and you're always trying to explain why we should be more original than traditional approach. Why should be more bold, creative, out of the box than do something that others are doing and copycat their own success. How you really promote the investment into creativity in esports? Um see yeah I know this is this is a tough one I think the sofi thing that we did with um, the mutineers it was kind of like a, trust us you're a fight you're a finance brand um, and this is like your launch piece and Ella over at mutineers was amazing at getting the client on side as well um, and sort of helping with coming up with this script and helping push push through the super creative um, mood boards and script idea that we had and you know, eventually did the stuff but if you if you're trying to convince people to do the creative stuff bring facts to them bring them rationale and reasoning that they can't argue with and the bottom line is they can't argue with that like when we when we did that sofi ad with um mutineers uh, apparently it went into some kind of i don't know group testing one of those focus group type testing online platform things where it tests <laughs> how how um good the communication rate. yeah how how good the comms were in it and apparently it's it blew the it, it was like 
it's good if it gets four green checks and we got something like nine or ten green checks something like that so yeah i think i think it's about results data and facts and um having the strength and spine to sort of stand by those facts and um creative ideas but also having the empathy that for a brand that's just starting out in esports is damn scary especially if you've seen other brand fails in esports or you've heard of horror stories of, or anything like that i think it's about <laughs> being very clear factual and um, objective with what you present rational but also having the empathy to bring these new people on the esports journey with them with with you and make sure that they don't get lost in the darkness and just um default to i'm going to be safe with my brand mm -hmm. the yeah. more they understand about the space the more likely they are to do those fun things and be more daring i think so please tell us what's going on in this video what do you mean that they return to overwatch and uh how you know what was the task what was the feedback so um essentially this is this is one of the things that people really love about nyxl and sort of identify nyxl and nyxl is going to put out a hype video it's going to be a hype video it's going to be something that they're going to be like oh damn oh damn <laughs> um and yeah it's something that we've sort of always endeavored to create these highly aesthetic highly polished um pieces for them and it's kind of got to the point where when we get a brief for one of these it's like i want something that looks sick it's to celebrate <laughs> this go do your thing and um that's a really um that's that's a lot of privilege to have that kind of level of trust with things that are as, as important as a hype video this specific one was to celebrate the fact that this was our return to overwatch after the um pandemic hit and put everything in turmoil um i don't know if you guys know but for nyxl we ended up um having the team move back to korea and we didn't know what it because they were in new york and that's like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was the epicenter and sure. yeah these, these guys this is family are over in korea and yeah it, it was it was sort of tough we didn't know exactly what was going to happen with the league how we were going to play the rest of our matches we ended up joining the um, the, um asia division yeah the division. um so this this piece was to sort of go guys nyxl are playing and we're here to bring nyxl and get ready to to watch some cool stuff you know jay uh, I Sorry guys, I, I just have to say that may, maybe there is no strategy behind it, but this even this small piece looks very New York-y. It's mm. fast like New York, it's just, you know, the music and the beat. I mean, like, yeah, this looks like a New York team. It's definitely not, you know, like Dallas, Fuel or whatever team from the other city. It's New York. <laughs> so, yeah. this is... Yeah. Did you actually think through this stuff too? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Whenever we're picking a track, we make sure that it's got it doesn't just have the vibe of um, you know upbeat or whatever. It's got it's it's got to feel like it could have come from New York. It's got to feel like um, yeah, that's very important. That's very important to NYXL that it has that um, New York vibe. It has that grit, hustle, determination, and all of that. Um, so yeah, it is definitely yes. There's really kind of how globalization really impacted esports. You have Korean players in New York and people are cheering for the multinational team even without knowing the language. But here, when I'm looking at the cinematics and the videos, I want to ask like, uh, is there a big difference uh, uh, between making, let's say, a TV sport or let's say YouTube sport for a traditional brand and making these videos for an esports uh, organization. Should big uh, brand managers or marketing directors of the brands that want to go to esports consider really hardcore using esports content because you know the traditional approach is like hey we will hire actor he will play something he will pretend that he will play overwatch and voila we will win all the likes and everything like what's the real difference here between these two approaches i think that um honestly these two pieces were organic one was to announce mm -hmm. one of the one of if not the world's greatest genji joining NYXL so now we have a stacked DPS team that's going to destroy everyone um, but um, I think that these hype videos they, they uh -huh. weren't sponsored by anyone in particular I think that these videos are the things that brands should be um, sponsoring they should be uh -huh. getting involved in and it doesn't need to be a heavy touch it just needs to be a logo in there it just needs to be um, you know, a little bit of branding in there, maybe at the end, maybe at the beginning, something like that. Um, but, you know, roster reveals, big hype announcements. These mm -hmm. are the things that get huge engagement. And these are the things I think brands should start to get involved with. Because you look at you look at um, NYXL's 20 latest roster reveal, it got the highest engagement of all of our of all of our work. And if a brand mm -hmm. was involved, they'd be part of that engagement. They'd have their their element in there. And I don't think it's something that will take away from the roster reveal as long as they're mm -hmm. being as long as they're understanding that it's a roster reveal video that you're kind of mm -hmm. sponsoring. Um, but yeah, I've lost track of No. Yeah. On the production I, side. On the produ on the production side, like it's quite interesting. This weekend, we actually had um, we tested out some highlights, spons sponsored highlight kind of stuff, with um, NYSL and Metro mm -hmm. by T-Mobile. Um, so the um, highlights from the games, um, each highlight was um, brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile, and. Mm -hmm. um, also included the shout out to one of, to a super fan. Mm -hmm. um, so in the video, you'd have that person's Twitter handle, and we'd tag them in the tweet or the Instagram post. Uh, <clears throat> it's a Metro. It's it's got Metro branding in it. And it has a killer gameplay element. 
and yeah, I think it's weird. The brands, the the brands that get esports like T-Mobile, who've been in esports uh-huh. for a while now, they yes. seem to they seem to know what they're doing um, uh-huh. with, with esports and how they want. They have a very clear understanding of how they want to sponsor esports. They're very sort of very um, methodical and have their rules and their ways of doing things and best practices and it does lead to stuff that stuff that works so uh-huh. yeah they understand the space um, and then you've got brands like we've got a Warzone's Legends series for uh-huh. NYSL where each each episode is a different member of the team giving you tips on a specific element of Warzone, whether it's Gulag. I watched this one about or... Gulag. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's actually very useful, guys. It's like you should you should check it out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a useful it's a useful little uh, guide. Tommy Tommy did that one. Mm-hmm. Zuma. Um, but that started as an organic um, thing. We were just putting it out because Warzone was hot, and Scuff. Yeah, it was Scuff. Scuff Gaming Scuff. saw it. And we're like, hey, we want in on that. Let us let us um, sponsor it. And I think uh-huh. we say it, this new business sort of side of um, Anbox came to sort of like an agreement and we were able to sort of get them involved in it. And it hasn't changed. This, if, if anything, it's elevated the series. Uh-huh. The, series the series looks has more um, graphics behind it. It has more of a clean product. Um, it, feel, it feels that's just that little bit more professional than it, when it was just like, hey guys, here's some tips. Tip number one, kind of thing. Each episode has its theme. Um, so yeah, I think if brands ca- if brands have a reason to get involved yep. with the with the better content, or they can have at least a tagline. I think Reese's has their sweetest moment uh-huh. for certain um, things. Reese's sweetest moment. Yeah, if at a very low level, and this is not like follow it to a T, if a brand manager wants to think about how to do highlights, how to do interactions with teams and games and and all of that kind of stuff, if you have any experience with sport, uh-huh. it's uh, as much as video games has always been seen as quite far from sport, and you've or, you, we've all heard the sound bites of. Esports is not a sport. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. It's in in this world. It's built on the same kind of principles. There are sponsorships. There's franchise leagues. There's non-franchise leagues as well, and you know, there's space and there's inventory that's sold, and brands can kind of like come and take ownership of those spots and spaces. Oh, I was just going to say, in regular sports, you see, um, you see, this highlight was brought to you by Bird Light, and all that kind of stuff. It's the same as Reese's Sweetest Moment. It's it's the same. It's just been tailored to an esports market. So there are a lot of there's a lot of low hanging fruit for brand managers, as well as that more intricate stuff. So yeah, uh, while we are watching the video, 
yeah, I just want to mention that there is like how much 46k likes and almost 1,000 comments this video. But probably it's the main question, why ESL needs TikTok? Why does it have it and why it's <laughs> yeah, so yeah. successful? Successful from numbers perspective, it's like, it's huge. I like, I went through this stuff and like, wow, this is a legit account. This is giant. Yeah, um, so we were tasked with doing the launch piece for um, TikTok. And we, th we were like, right. Well, this is an esports agent. This is an esports um, organization invading another space. So we have to treat it in the same way that a brand would treat coming into um, esports. We had to do something that felt native to TikTok. And what's more native to TikTok than a dance, a little dance <laughs> video? I mean, so so that's what we did. We picked a sound that was popular at the time because sounds come in and out of fashion like that on TikTok and um, we made a fun little dance and it was divisive some people were like mm -hmm. why the hell is ESL <laughs> on TikTok I think we even got a um, retweet of the um, ESL TikTok thing from Thorin saying uh hello fellow with the with a hello fellow gamers um meme this steve buscemi um meme yeah uh, but yeah it was it was the launch piece it got five hundred thousand five hundred thousand half a million views thereabouts um for a launch piece to get over half a million views that kind of level of likes and comments i think i think it did fine So yeah, James, like finishing our podcast, I want to uh, ask you about any advice or any, you know, uh, things that you want to share about esports and how to work uh, with esports advertising and marketing for like brands that's still not there, for brands that already is there and for professionals on both sides, client sides and esports sides. Um, best piece of advice I can give to anyone working in creative whether it's as an account manager whether it's as a brand manager esports um, not esports whatever else <laughs> is have some empathy for the people and understanding for the people around you if you hold in your head that everyone is trying to do a good job and have a think about where they're coming from and just have a just have that smidge of empathy and if everyone has that smidge of empathy which i think is more prevalent in esports actually i i have people that you know there's there's not as much of a back and forth uh -huh. argument over no it should be this way no it should be this way and all that kind of thing i don't know what it is about Maybe it's because mm -hmm. we like computer games or something like that. Um, but having that, um, what's it like, willingness to understand the other party just creates uh, 
great environment in general for creative um, endeavors and going to finding their way to the best solution any given problem and that's that's not saying brand managers try and understand where creatives are coming from because they're uh-huh. right um, no it's, it's a two-way thing creatives understand where brand managers are coming from they have objectives and they have things that they have to stick to because they've been mandated by their bosses that it needs uh-huh. to have this logo size and it needs to have this color and stuff like that um, yeah I think if if everyone can work that touch more collaboratively mm-hmm. yeah they'll, they'll get better and for esports specifically um, learn your learn learn the market read read up about whatever you're going into if it's a specific game read up about that game or ask someone to teach you about that game to give you the basics of it and all of that kind of stuff yeah. uh, the more you know the better informed you'll be about the decisions you're making especially if it's an area that you're not well versed in. Yeah, and it's actually great advice because without research, without understanding where you're going to work, uh, you, you know, you'll have, you'll have a hard time to succeed because you can't talk the same way at Dota 2 and, and Call of Duty or Overwatch. It's different communities, different people, different ways to talk. Yeah. So, I think that's all for today, and I want to say huge thank you, James, for being here with us. I'm sure we're gonna invite you again because it's such a pleasure to talk to you about esports and in general. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, thank you again, and no worries. You. It was really, really fun. I had a great time. I can't wait for the next episode. I can't wait to see who it is. Yeah.